favorite sports podcast. We're Money Cup and BS Walk. Phil, it's a simple question. What happened over 13? Uh, look, I, I don't mean I don't mean disrespect by anybody. I know it's a two shot penalty, and uh, at that time, I just didn't feel like going back and forth and hitting the same shot over. I took the two shot penalty, moved on. It's um, it's uh, my understanding of the rules. I, I've had multiple times where uh, I've wanted to do that. I just finally did. Did you think the ball was going to roll off the green when oh, you hit it? No question, it was going to go down into the same spot behind the bunker. I wasn't going to have a shot and. I don't know if, if I would have been able to save a shot or whatnot, but I know it's a two-shot penalty hitting a moving ball. I tried to hit as close to the hole as I could to make the next one, and, um, uh, you know, you take the two shots, you move on. With your host, Alex Dreisick. for another great episode. I'm your host, Alex Dreisek. And this is where Money Talks and BS Walks on your favorite sports podcast. Hello! Like always, make sure to check out the show at facebook.com slash moosesmulligans, twitter.com slash moosesmulligans, and moosesmulligans.weebly.com. Talked about it last show. Uh, check out Someone Ace's new album coming out June 22nd at someoneaceband.com. Some great music. Definitely, definitely looking forward to that album coming out this week. Also coming up this week will be the NBA Draft. Make sure to catch the recap of the draft with me and Ben Huff next week. It's going to be some interesting opinions, I'm sure of it, as we have an interesting draft where we can have some controversial picks with Aiton out of the University of Arizona, and we have some Euro questions because players coming over from the uh, European leagues we haven't really gotten to see, and... To talk about a guy going one or two overall as a huge investment. So it'll be an interesting discussion next week to see what decisions are made. But moving on to this week, what I wanted to open with was there's some baseball history being made, which is always something cool because anytime history is made in baseball, I mean, something crazy happened that hasn't happened in a hundred and something years. This is the first time before the All Star break that four teams in the American League or the National League are 20 games over 500. Let me explain a little better. So in the AL, there's four teams that are 20 games over 500 before the All-Star break. Now, that's never happened in the AL or the NL if you split it up. It's the Mariners, it's the Astros, it's the Yankees, and the Red Sox. That's pretty cool. That That means these teams are being very competitive and playing very good baseball, especially for the Mariners. They've come a long way. But this also points out the fact that the rebuilding process is really starting to take effect in not just basketball, but every sport. Football, a little less noticeable because of the short careers, turns around really quick. But the the rebuilding process going on in baseball is starting to become more apparent every day. I mean, you got teams like the Royals, the White Sox, you got teams like the Blue Jays, the the Orioles need to rebuild. I just think they haven't realized it yet you know and you got teams like the rangers in rebuild mode you got the tigers in rebuild mode it really really starts to add up wins to those few four or five teams that are really making a push to win now 
So I'm hoping this doesn't become a trend where we start seeing four or five teams like this. Now, it does make for a good playoff race, but it also makes 80 to 90% of the league uncompetitive, and that's just unacceptable. And so Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka, recently of the Tokyo Giants, knocks himself cold for the second time this week. Maybe in Japan that's actually better than catching the ball. Personally, I think he's just trying to get out of the lineup. Yeah, you want to talk about rebuild mode. The A's are always in rebuild mode. Now everyone's just joining in. Now, the the second thing I'm re- I'm kind of really pissed off about this because I was watching it yes- yesterday for poor Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. The U.S. Open has been ridiculously hard to watch. The course is way too hard to play. They made it way unenjoyable. I mean, like, it is a little fun sometimes to see, like, superstars get humbled by a course or something, but not to the fact where everybody's shooting 8 over, 10 over. It It's not even fun to watch because there's, there's no strategy. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a 2-iron, I think. I mean, a guy hits a beautiful shot, and it never stops. It just keeps bouncing into the bunker. Oh, he got all of that one. And then his only way out of the bunker... He chips it nice onto the green. It lands about 15 feet before the cup, and it looks like it's rolling right to the cup. And ends up 30 feet behind, and it looks like it should be rough, but it just keeps going right through because right now the greens are playing like glass, and it's so windy that it's hard to judge which way your ball's really going to go when it lands. I don't, I don't know what you want the golfers to do. I mean, he the wind's blowing directly north at about 10 miles per hour, so he shortens up a little bit. And then it starts blowing east as, after he hits it and blows the ball. As it lands, it's short, and now it goes 20 feet to the right, so now you're 50 feet away. It's it's just really stupid. It's really stupid to me. And it's not enjoyable. I was listening to some commentary on ESPN and Fox Sports and CBS, and <clears throat> it's these golfing experts say it's really just not enjoyable because it's just a crapshoot. The two players who are playing the final time today were 11 shots behind yesterday. 11. And you know why they, they're in the lead now? Because there was no wind in the morning. They got stuck with the 6 a.m. time and the 7 a.m. times. And normally that sucks. But there was no wind in the morning, so they were just playing a pretty pretty average course. And by the time we got to the noon, noon group that had earned this awesome great score on a tough course they were getting screwed because it was 30 40 mile an hour winds so this is just ugly it's gross it's not well run and i'm gonna have to agree they were kind of trying to grade it you know like on an a to f scale and a one to ten scale right right now it's got to be an f for me this this is just this is just brutal to watch and if i do one to ten it's a one i mean it might be the worst golf tournament i've ever ever watched not it's not the golfer's fault it's the the way they set it up and it's just it's just an ugly combination mike test this course is so difficult too when you look at it because it's like what do you do about it now it's built on sand so there was the idea of flooding it all night but then again and that gives the morning group the more of the advantage because it's going to dry up as the day goes on and then the golfers are suddenly playing a whole new course they haven't played the whole weekend. So that, that kind of screws them over in a different way. But also, I mean, 
it's going to dry up anyway the longer the course goes, especially built on sand. I think they just wear it, keep it as it is. And it's already bad enough. If they don't flood it, I'll give them a D. But if they flood it, I'll give them an F. That's that's the only thing they got to look forward to right now. I think the perfect symbolism to draw up how this course has been is to watch Phil, Phil Mickelson hitting a ball that's still moving. It's something Phil Mickelson, who's like the greatest sportsmanship guy ever, would never do. But it's been so frustrating and so stupid that he barely missed his putt and it was rolling away forever and he knew it. Screw it. Take the two-shot penalty. Not only... It was probably going to take him two shots to get back anyway because that thing was not going to stop rolling. <laughs> but, but it also makes a statement. It also puts the PGA on notice that this is this is really BS. This is just crap. And as we always like to play Money Talks and BS Walks on here, <laughs> the PGA is BS right now. That You can't do this and expect people to like this. Especially when... Phil Mickelson can't even have a good time. And he always seems like he's there to golf and nothing else. He's being pure sportsmanlike. <laughs> and if he can't be that, nobody can be that. All right. For the last part of the show, you guys know I love talking about the NCAA and what's going on. So we're going we're gonna to go to the NCAA here. And their new transfer rule that eliminates permission to contact process. In a sense, it eliminates it. Not fully, but let me let me read it to you a little bit. So the Division I Council adopted a proposal this week that creates a new, it's called a notification of transfer model. So this new system allows a student athlete to uh, inform his or her current school of a desire to transfer, then requires the school to enter the, school, the student's name into like a national transfer database, whatever the hell that means. I guess that's how that works. There's like gonna be like a like a website maybe coaches can see and get notification when someone wants to transfer. I don't know, it's not that specific, but once a student athlete's name is in that database, other coaches are free to contact the individual as they like. So the NCAA is finally doing something that makes a little sense. Right now Going through the transfer process means yeah, every school you want to go to, you have to go to your own school and say, hey, I want to talk to these guys. And it's always like a, hey, I think these guys are better than you kind of thing. Hey, I think this might be better than... And it it really is an awkward and, you know, pissing contest kind of thing that, that nobody, no, no student athlete needs to get in the middle of. They're college kids. They got enough problems as it is. They shouldn't have to deal with every time they want to talk to a school, they have to send it into their school. And they're supposed to, they're supposed to give you your release to that school in one to two days. But I've seen it personally drag on for six or seven days where you don't get your release. And guess what? Six or seven days later, they already had someone take your spot at that school. So this this change is better. This change is better. But it's not all the way there. There's still, at least there's not a restriction now where a coach can't be like, eh, you know, I don't want you to talk to them. I'm not going to fulfill your request and I don't know why the hell that was okay in the first place for a coach to think he knows what's best for this kid but you know we're also saying that we were saying that the coach who the kid wanted to get away from obviously there was some kind of disagreement or he didn't like something about the coach he doesn't trust the coach that coach is trusted with the kid's decision for his next school and his future Uh, this was an easy fix for the NCAA but it's not all the way there yet. We still have plenty of problems the NCAA is not getting to that are 
just I'd say I'd say pretty important too. They're finally getting the meal money and per diem when you're on the road. They're finally starting to realize that like, hey, student athletes should be allowed to transfer because it's for the best of them. And there's this big fear of taking away the year of sitting out. And I don't I don't understand why there's there's this big fear. People tell me it's because well then kids are just going to start going everywhere willy nilly. Well, you've already built a system where football players aren't really there for their degrees. Basketball players are there for one year, so how the hell are they there for their degree? It, it, there's a stat that I saw on grad students that do their fifth year. 60% of football players will withdraw from their grad program after the first year because they, they can't play football anymore. Why would they keep going to school? So if you already built a system that's not around the school and it's around the sport... Who cares if they go wherever they want? It's like free agency. You make them sign one-year contracts with their scholarship anyway. If you give them four years of scholarship, then I understand making them sit out a year because then they're in a four-year obligation. But when you make every year a new scholarship obligation, then that means if they get screwed over in their mind, they should be allowed to go where they want. I don't care about this whole... Uh, so what if they all go to the same school and make a powerhouse? The Golden State Warriors already did that, and you guys are fine watching the NBA, and those guys get paid millions of dollars to do it. These kids get, what, you say, oh, the education, that's their greatest thing. Well, they're not getting the education because you built it to where they don't finish their school. So make a decision. Is it about the school or is it about the sport? If it's about the school, yes, I understand sitting out a year, but then you have to make scholarships a four-year commitment. Not a one, not a two, not a, not even a three. I would say a four because it's a four-year degree program. It's a four-year scholarship program. Or you make it about the sport and say, yeah, we're making it one-year contracts with your scholarship, at, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Then, then student athletes should be allowed to go wherever they want. But until then, it's still not, I'm still not happy with the NCAA. They got a long way to go with me. You know, you know, there's also something interesting about this that I wanted to bring up before we end the show here. People who don't get scholarship are still bought into this one-year contract crap and also have to sit out a year. So you're getting no money from the athletic department. You're getting some, usually not much playing time at all. It's always a great story when a walk-on on no scholarship is playing. It's always this like unheard-of story. So you're not playing. You're not getting money. You're not getting time to go to class because of all the practices and workouts and you're putting in the extra work to try to beat out the scholarship guys. And then you go, you know what? I'm not going to beat these guys out. This coach has too much of a preference for his guys he brought in with scholarship or, you know, honestly, these guys with scholarship are just too good for me. I want to go to a, a different kind of D1. They have to sit out a year. Why? <laughs> what did they do to deserve the punishment? If they're going somewhere that actually is the best for them, they might want to go to a smaller D1 because they're actually going to get scholarships so they can afford college. You know, a kid at the University of Texas right now, the program's turned around great. He might have come in, like, he might have signed, you know, he might have walked on thinking I got a shot because they've been down, you know, and they're playing really good. He goes, well, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to get scholarship. You know, I'm not even from Texas. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from California. I want to go to a smaller D1 in California. They'll offer me a They'll offer me some scholarship and I'll be closer to home. You know what the NCAA says? Screw you. Nope. Got to sit out of here. You know, a kid, a kid sells himself. You know, you know what, mom? I think, I think this is my one shot. I might get drafted. I'm going to go to Florida State. I'm leaving, I'm leaving the Upper East Coast. And it doesn't work out. 
You know what happens? He's got to sit out of here. It's the stupidest rule there is in this sitting out thing. I don't care what you say. It's not a benefit for the student-athlete. And you think it's going to cause chaos? I think it's already chaos, especially if you have to live through it as a student-athlete. It's already chaos to them. Why not make it chaos for everyone then? I really don't give a crap. Just figure it out. Help these student-athletes out when you can. That's your whole job. You put it on your website, now actually do it. The other thing, a little side note, is that when coaches leave, you should probably wipe the scholarships they promised everybody that year because, or, and also let students get a free ride to transfer because you know what happens when your, uh, your boss gets fired? The whole office changes when the new boss comes in. It's never the same. And you know what you can do? You can leave and try to get another job. You know what you can't do as a student athlete? Transfer and play right away. Makes no sense. So if coaches leaves, I, I say we wipe the scholarships too and the, and the stupid sit-out rule. You know, no, put, push the show on for one more minute. I know I got the perfect analogy for this. I, I got I to gotta say this one. So the transfer rule is kind of like if you're dating a girl. And at the beginning of the relationship, she goes, I want you to sign this contract to say you're going to date me for a year. And I'll give you all these cool benefits. I'll give you the you no know, like scholarship. I'll give you all these benefits. But you got to date me for a year. And the year ends, and you're not happy in the relationship. And you want to go try to date someone else. She says, no, well, you can't date for a whole year. But everyone you want to talk to about dating after that year, you have to come to me and get permission to talk to them. That's the last person I'm going to want permission from when I'm looking to date someone else. It's the person I just broke up with. And you know what? What, are you supposed to go up to the other team and go, yeah, this relationship ended, I swear it's not my fault, it was all them, it was all their fault, but guess what, you you still gotta go talk to her before it's okay, (laughs) and by the way, I can't date you for a year, we're both just gonna sit here and stare at each other for a year. (laughs) What is the point of that? (laughs) Who's getting any benefit out of that? I mean, maybe the ex-girlfriend, because they get to pick and choose how miserable you get to be at the next school. (laughs) Alright, alright. I'm running out of time, so make sure to check us out at facebook.com slash Mulligans, twitter.com slash Mulligans, and mrsmulligans.weebly.com. That's Somewhat Ace Band was on last week. Make sure to check out their new album, June 22nd, somewhatacebandcom And until next week, where money talks and BS walks on your favorite sports podcast. We'll see you next week.